Welcome one and all to Tape Makers, the show where we listen, discuss, and then based only on our opinion, objectively rank every single album ever released in one single tiered list. I am your host, Josh Doler, and with me today is the altruistic Jared Richard. Altruistic. Jared, how you be? Uh, I be well enough. I be well enough. You be well enough? Yeah, I, uh, had some some family stuff happened recently right uh and been busy i'm literally in my work clothes right now yeah no you're you're looking good though it's a it's a nice pair of overalls a good old-fashioned thrasher tee yeah uh i i've uh developed a, a severe love of these overalls i there are pockets for everything uh-huh i don't have to worry about a belt right um i you know i can spill like i can have a shirt that like i spilled like ketchup on or whatever and i'll just you know it's got a bib on it covers it up it's perfect already and that shirt's still good to wear as long as i got these overalls there you go so the real question is uh how many more, more overalls until we need to be concerned um overall yeah overall how many overalls uh well you only need the one pair that's the thing yeah but that's also like saying you only need one jean jacket like you do only need one jean jacket but like how many do you want well i don't have a black one so (laughs) yeah you gotta get the black one then you gotta get the white one for summer you know right for hot boy summer 2022 2022 yeah uh before that eventually gets canceled speaking of getting canceled that's not a segue that's not real how are you (laughs) maybe on the verge who knows (laughs) aren't we all yeah uh doing okay trying to be slightly conscious of the fact that uh we're gonna be putting up some visual media uh along with this episode theoretically we got a a camera rolling on us so what where i don't have a camera on us that's not true so trying to like do my best to not just look like an absolute clown mm-hmm. while doing this entire thing. You look great. I love this fit. The, oh, thank the you. The jacket, the shoes are... Well, he's got some, like, off-brand Janoskis going on. Uh... They were, like, 20 bucks from JCPenney, boy. <laughs> They're great. That's Very fine. comfortable. Comfort is all that matters when it comes to shoes that look like Janoskis. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's also, like just a comfortable enough shoe but it's also not at all close to a boat shoe which is always the issue for like casual right like men's shoes well to be honest they look like you know if they made janoski's out of a boat shoe like they got the they right. got the round laces the round laces on the navy blue kind of thing they got the stitching around the toe but it's not like you know right. it's not like the two separate pieces that right, right, right yeah anyway yeah so anyways yeah um it's been a it's been a wild time man yeah it's been a wild time uh before we get into the albums uh something i thought that might be slightly interesting to talk about is the different ways that we're like listening to the albums because people listen to music in so many different ways Mm -hmm. in general and i think that also influences how we talk about the albums as well Mm -hmm. um so i'll go first i i mostly listen to the albums we've been talking about in three distinct ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the main one is through an aux cord into a Honda CRV standard ser- uh, car stereo. Because mm-hmm. uh, I commute for my job like three times a week. So that's a good time to like get in and, and listen to a few things. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a lot of driving right. time. Um, and then I have like a $30 pair of like Bluetooth headphones that have absolutely no bass in them. 
mm. that I mostly used to listen to podcasts to. Um, but I also listen to music through there as well. Um, which that's kind of like a I'm uh, out and about or uh, around the house doing chores. Right. Chorin. Doing some good old chorin. Um, Got chorin to do. Exactly. Um, and then I those are usually the two main ways I listen to the music until I get down to like start writing down the notes for the, the show. Mm-hmm. And then I have these like $100 pair of Xbox headphones because I listen to it through Spotify on Xbox. Right. And that's got that good bass. It's like, it's it's gamer headphones. So like maybe not the best mix for audio, but it is mixed right, for... You're getting a variety. Yeah. In, in, you know, what you're... Yeah. Yeah. And so the that way, that's what, like where the most bass comes out and the most like dynamic range comes out mm-hmm. as well. And I just find it very fascinating that like there's been a few different songs that I had an opinion on until mm-hmm. I went to the very last time of listening through it. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that this was happening in there. This changes everything. Mm. This changes everything. So what's the like main ways you, you're going about listening to the goods? Uh, so in my car, obviously, like I uh, do a lot of delivery driving uh done grubhub and instacart and right uh, up until recently that's what i was delivering food from infinity room uh and so a lot of time in my car the issue is that the auxiliary input in my car about three weeks after i bought that car went kaput hell yeah uh so i have i have like the cheapest radio transmitter like like my phone connects to it via Bluetooth, and uh-huh. then it it produces, like, a local radio frequency. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you used to have one of these for your iPod. Yeah, you used to have one of those for my uh, iPod. Yeah. Your, your, like, Gen 4 iPod or whatever it was. Yeah, the the massive, like, 256 gig. I yeah, still you, that. Had, you had the biggest iPod, like, yeah. like the, the most storage uh, of anybody have, I knew yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah. I still have that lying around. I'm just waiting. Really? I'm just waiting for like the collector market on that to like skyrocket and then oh, sell it. Oh, it's oh, you're you're. I'm like I'm like three years away from making like a cool grand on that thing. Yeah, you can make some solid some solid dough off of yeah. that. Yeah, um, I popped I'll, to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> so so I've got a radio transmitter in my car, which is uh how um fucking awful. Um, yes, that's what I remember <laughs> as well. <laughs> See, I remember yours being really good, or I was just like really impressed with. Like, I thought it was really cool that it just like it's like a radio station, but really small. It's my own. It's it's your own personal radio station. How cute is that? Right. Um. It's uh. It doesn't tone wise like alter the sound too much. Mm-hmm. Uh. It's just that the uh. It will drop out every once in a while, but like yep. within the bluetooth buffer i guess so it doesn't it's not like (laughs) right you know it's not like it lost signal and then the signal came back it's like the music paused for half a second yeah bluetooth is weird like that not even half a sec like a really quick like it's 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 quick enough that uh you can maybe not notice it if it happens right but it's long enough that if you are paying attention or like have any sense of rhythm at all it will throw you (laughs) off (laughs) just like that little like half a beat delay you're like what the fuck and if i'm not if i haven't tuned in a totally uh like if i'm not in a a a totally if i'm tuned into a radio station that isn't totally a dead uh, zone free like a total dead zone then there's this high-pitched whine that comes through the entire time uh that's how i've been listening to a good portion of the music so the highest quality you possibly can right 
then lately, uh, I've been at work a lot, and I've been using my boss's Bluetooth speaker, uh, which is surprisingly really good. It's a JBL. Yeah. Or it's one of those, like, it's bigger than, like, a fucking football. It's, like, one of the ones that has, like, a lunchbox, like, handle on the top. No, it doesn't have a handle, actually. Oh, okay. Um, it's got two like little hooks not not hooks but they're little loops that you can connect like a, oh, a like shoulder strap right to. right right yeah i i've seen the youth walking around with those right it's yeah it's actually pretty fucking decent uh i believe it i mean jbl makes makes good shit once you pay the money for it yeah um it's got it's got also we've been like like yesterday i was flooring in a corner of a room and mm-hmm. so there was just so much base information that was just hitting me in the face from all directions congratulations uh which uh, is not all that different from this room right now but <laughs> <laughs> um and then listening on my my uh my mixing setup at my desk right um which, which is, is probably the best situation right yeah cuz you have two speakers meant for for mixing you know positioned the correct way so when you're sitting in the right place it just right. yeah i yeah. All, all i have left to do i'm gonna uh build bass traps for this room pretty soon here right um and and a couple of acoustic panels and uh i've, I've got i've got some plans right all of this uh fucking annoying room noise that i'm spending a lot of time trying to gate out of our of our right you got stuff right now it's better to trap the base before post which reminds production. me i need to finally download a fucking ds or plugin hey uh, there we go yeah if you're hearing something that doesn't sound so sweet mm. uh i apologize you need that that, uh, that good lazy. D- <laughs> you, you need that good d hum in your life right yeah <laughs> no for sure no i just thought it was interesting because like theoretically if we both had the time and the money we would be listening to this on like really high as high of quality stuff as we possibly could you know obviously like i have two really nice floor speakers that um are only connected to my um turntable at Mm -hmm. the moment because i i need to get my receiver fixed up because it's an old receiver from like 80s or 70s well why don't you just buy all the albums we review on on vinyl well because (laughs) (laughs) why don't you have 10 by pearl jam on vinyl pretty sure they re-released it or some shit i don't know why don't you support uh, us on the patreon (laughs) wasteland Uh, (laughs) baby by hosier one of my all-time favorite albums yeah we love that can't believe you didn't buy that on vinyl so that you uh yeah you know i I looked at the prices and they were uh more than free so i i I decided no not this time maybe (laughs) later i don't think i could i don't think you would take that album if i gave it to you i mean i'd take it because i could resell it (laughs) (laughs) damn yeah no um i did recently complete tangent uh at a just a vintage market that has a really nice um vinyl uh not vinyl and also record and receivers um like stand Mm -hmm. really nice one for like a hundred bucks that i'm sure is gone by now but i i was eyeing it for a bit um i bought a old record from the ink spots which are like the fallout band like when you listen to Fallout and it's like the the format. Oh, like, I got you. Uh, Fallout the video game. Yeah, Fallout the video game. Yeah, like the ones. It's like they have like twenty of their songs on the soundtrack of like twenty five right so- songs. But yeah, so I bought that and it was like I had never heard of any of those songs before. But also I had heard every single one of those songs before because their entire thing is having the exact same setup. Right. 
Um, but actually, like, pretty pretty good, like, standard, like, 50, 40s, 50s, like, pop with j- jazz as, as the bass line on it. Like, you know, good vocals, but then also, like, there's some pretty decent jazz musicians as well, which I wouldn't... Right. I spent five dollars on that album and I got way more value out of it than and some of, than like I'm gonna be honest I, like forty percent of the stuff we've talked about so far. <laughs> that's my favorite. Like um, a lot of the times, so so my uh, uh, staying on this tangent, my yeah. record collection consists of uh, albums that I have already listened to a hundred times and that I love dearly and that I mm-hmm. l- love front to back and like to listen to without skipping anything. Um, and then stuff that I pre-ordered, um, right. Uh, having maybe heard a single off of it or something. Uh, and every time I pre-order something, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this was, I'm so glad that I got this on vinyl. Like it's all, it's oh, always good. like, That's it's, good. Al- it's always been like, this was a good decision. And I'm like pleasantly surprised that this is as good as it is. Right. Yeah. No, I've done that a few times. I did that with, uh, death from above 1979. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forget what the name of their second album is, but I heard like a song off of that. Cause when I was like first getting into vinyl, what I would do is I would go to a record store. I'd find like something that had a really cool album art. And then I would pull up the band on Spotify and listen to like one or two yeah, songs. Give it a quick little, yeah. A little like, would I like this? And then I went out like I did. That was pretty good for like most of them. I think there was like one or two albums that I bought and I was like, okay, this is like, whatever but that was also a really good way to like get into some new bands as as well mm-hmm. like got it uh frightened rabbits was another band that i did that on that was good um did the same thing on alabama shakes mm. um sound and color got that as well so you know it's such oh dude such a good album such a good album i would love to take a, i would love to take my time with that album yeah uh, i have it on clear vinyl it's it's great yeah. yeah, I actually remember playing that in your room at your parents' house. Uh, yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think I was helping you pack up your stuff or something like that. Something like that. I, I don't, don't know, know, man. Whatever. Speaking of music. Speaking of music. <laughs> speaking about parents and wanting to rebel against said parents. Oh, we're starting. Okay. Uh, that's a really bad transition to a <laughs> punk band that is actually way more than just uh, basic ass pop punk. Uh, we're doing Against Me as the Eternal Cowboy, which is the technical name of that album. Uh, uh, I believe it's pronounced Against Me. Yeah, it's Against Me as the Eternal Cowboy. Like, that's the, the phonetically proper way to talk. <laughs> Again, yeah. Against Me, comma, as the Eternal Cowboy, oh, no, there's comma, a, yeah, there's an <laughs> ellipse. <laughs> Yeah, no, they they officially released the album because they also released their uh, first album, which uh, it was against me uh, intimidating Axl Rose or something like that. But like the the way that they officially titled their albums is against me as or doing whatever for like the first two albums and then they got away uh, from that okay yeah <laughs> and then they were, and then they were like i'm not <laughs> we're over this now that was a cute thing to do for a little bit so that, yeah so that first couple gags were great but uh we got nothing else after. yeah exactly uh yeah so that's why i'm wearing my best uh military jacket gotcha <laughs> yeah you know the most punk thing i can do right. at the moment i feel like uh yeah you're decently punk know, as well working class uh yeah sort of skater I don't know. It's a little skate punk. We'll get into it. Let's get into it. All right. So against me, as the Eternal Cowboy, it was released November 3rd, 2003. 
Uh, it was their second full album, but their fifth release of all time, including EPs. Mm-hmm. Uh, most, a few of the first EPs was just uh, Laura Jane Grace, who was the lead singer uh, and guitarist. Mm-hmm. Um, James Bowman uh, did guitar and backing vocals on this album. Uh, Andrew Seward did bass guitar and also backing vocals. Sorry, Andrew Seward? Yeah, and Andrew Seward. S-E-W-A-R-D. C dash W-O-R-D. No, S-E-W-A-R-D. W-O-R-D? Yes. Wow. That's a... Just because... What a last name. Yeah. Richert. Warren Oaks was on drums. Can we Uh, say the C word on this podcast? Rob McGregor is the (laughs) producer. Uh, Pete Matthews is the mixing engineer and the regular engineer. And then Brad Blackwood uh, did the mastering. And this was their first. uh, What was the best way to describe it? Major mid-independent label release. Mid-independent label. Yes, major mid-independent label. So it's Fat Wreck Chords. Fat Fat Wreck Chords is the recording label, and it's Fat Mike from NoFX's recording label. (laughs) All right. Okay. (laughs) Um, So obviously, this is a punk band. Truly. It's a a punk band. Originally, this album was described as a supposed to be a concept album mm-hmm. by Laura uh, Jane Grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- what they said was that it was a concept album that explores love and war. Uh, granted, it's kind of played out, but that's what I was going for to make the album as cohesive enough that you could follow the lyrics from beginning to end. And they would tell a story in themselves. Thinking along those lines, uh, the Eternal Cowboy can be symbolic of the power structure and can relate to the album's more political songs. Mm-hmm. But in a more personal sense, in terms of what I was going through my life at the time, the cowboy represents someone forever wandering, lost and alone, and all that. That's, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think can, it's, like... <sighs> concept album, I think, is a strong term, but I uh, yeah, see what they're going that, for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it definitely strikes me more as like, you can't, like, you can't call it a concept album just because all of the songs that you wrote relate to you in that point in your life. It's, it's not, you a know con- I- it's not a concept album when every, the only conceptual thing about it's it is like, that the lyrics, this lyric- is a concept album because all of the songs are either about my bad relationship or about the fucking government. Yeah. Well, <laughs> to be fair, the concept is the same throughout the entire album but that's kind of it yeah so i i think this is one of the things also we should mention this was recommended by our friend uh mr jake oh yeah mr jake hammer this is our first uh uh friends and and family episode yeah this is our first ever friends and family episode it's it's a special episode so both of these albums we're talking about today were recommended to us by friends right uh or family or random people, but this specifically is, is friends, um, both of these. And I think this is like a, a thing with some punk music, um, kind of around the turn of the century, mm-hmm. especially kind of right after 9-11 when, you know, so much clampdown on lyrical content was starting to happen around the country. Mm-hmm. On, I mean, every art medium. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like, it, it, you could not really be all that critical of. Yeah, it was like the government. Like yeah. suddenly, like we were in Hayes Code era. Like, yeah, television. There was so Red, the Red Scare. There like, was so yeah, many. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so many films and so many films and tv episodes that had to be rewritten and and restructured so that they wouldn't uh lean too heavily into imagery that could be uh alarming yeah to uh certain people yeah so i i kind of get it of like it's kind of political but not really so i understand this like weird kind of in between Mm -hmm. zone that it's going for we haven't talked about like what's your overall take on the album in general. Oh jeez, uh, mm, I there was a time in my life where I would have really liked this album, but that time in my life is is not now. Right. Um, I'm okay with the album. Mm-hmm. I think it has some high points. I ha- think it has some low points, uh, and we'll get into it more later. Mm-hmm. But I can't do this style of punk vocal mm-hmm. and really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what do you, what are your kind of top level views? Um, uh, overall, uh, this is an okay album. Right. Um, this is not like, yeah, vocals are one thing like Laura Jane Grace while having a voice that is very well suited for the type of music that she makes. Yes. Is not my cup of tea i'm also super picky about voices let's be real but (laughs) um i uh, like the lyrical content while there are some um there are some lines that i feel like point to uh interesting subjects or things that are very relatable to me Mm -hmm. um they're not they're not written in such a way that I'm like, oh, I really like this latches on to me. Like this is something I very much relate to, or this right. totally uh, spells out my feelings about this in mm-hmm. a totally accurate and coherent way. And there's, yeah, there's a couple of tracks that I'm like, I don't really want to listen to this. Right. But this isn't an album that if somebody were to start playing it, I'd be like, turn this shit off. Right. Yeah. And honestly, I think a lot of those uh, viewpoints are were carried over at the time by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it was their because, as I said, it was like their large, major, mid, independently. But it was them signing to a a named label, basically. So mm-hmm. everyone in like the punk scene they were a part of, because it was all like the smallest independent labels or self releases before then. So they were all like you. You fucking sellouts. Right. Yeah, you fucking sellouts. How dare you go record with Fat Mike from No Effects? If you <laughs> record with Fat Mike from No Effects, you're a sellout. You're a fucking there's, sellout. There's nothing you can do to change that. Right, yeah. Um, and also some of the criticism was that the lyrical content was less political than it was before because up until this point, like Laura Jane Grace was like I'm a fucking anarchist and I'm going to tell you about why I'm an anarchist uh-huh. and th- lyrical content wise. There's less of that. Like I'm an anarchist right. in it. So it, I think some of that makes sense. Um, some people also said that this was more of like a rock and roll album than like the folksy punk that they had done before. Interesting. Yeah. So there was a lot of like, not as big a fans with like the album when it first came out and even Laura Jane Grace herself 
in a 2017 article with Noisy, um, ranked this uh, the band's fifth best album. Out of how many albums? Seven. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, overall, it's just like, I was kind of writing about a point in time, and that was fine at the time, but like it really didn't uh, stay. Also, another thing is that they wanted to record... The reason they wanted to record with that mic is because they wanted to record all analog to get that very analog vibe. Uh, and to quote Laura Jane Grace, uh, they didn't want to edit shit and fix shit. So they just wanted like as real and as raw uh, as possible. And this album mm-hmm. originally was supposed to be tracked at 30 minutes, but it's tracked at 24 and a half mm-hmm. just because uh, they increase tempo, not on purpose sometimes. Right. Which I think that you can tell that, like, yeah, if you're just recording, which is very much like, listen, th- this, listen, l- right, l- listen, if you're, listen, <laughs> okay, Josh, Josh, okay, okay, if you're recording a punk album and you use a metronome, you are no longer recording a punk album, right? If you're also <laughs> if you're recording a punk album and you're doing it track by track, that's not a punk album anymore. <laughs> Like, you have to get the whole band in there and be like, all right, we got, like, three tries at this, guys. Let's go. Right. If um, you're recording a punk album and you take more than three takes in a song, you're no longer recording a punk album. You're just recording a Blink-182 album. Right. Yeah. Which If I'll- you're recording a punk album <laughs> and the total cost of gear, the microphones, guitar pedals... Studio time. Studio time. If the total budget for an album... Is over two thousand dollars. You're no longer recording a punk album. Exactly, as two people who obviously are authorities on punk. <laughs> I don't listen to punk very no, much. No, I used to listen to a lot more punk than I do currently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, some of the recording techniques I think are either very dated or very punk. And either way, I'm not really a big fan of that. And we'll get into it more specifically mm-hmm. as we get into those songs. Um. But also at the same time, a lot of the songs in this track I could hear on like a Tony Hawk soundtrack. Oh yeah, or a skate absolutely. soundtrack. It's very like mid thousand skate punk. Yeah, in, the, in, to me, uh, that's that's something that like overall the energy of the album does like very cleanly hit that hit that note. Like it hits that mark of like this is early two thousands punk, and it's uh it you know we didn't track to a met. Nope. <laughs> and we we uh, used some, I will say, questionable guitar tones on certain things. Right. I do appreciate the fact that they decided to go like pretty clean with their guitar tones. I, I really do too. like that that choice. Um, and also, apparently, that was a very big um, change from what Fat Mike's record label had done at the time. Because before, it was like super, super heavy drum tones and, like, super, super heavy distorted guitar. Mm-hmm. And this was one of the first acts that uh, recorded on that label that didn't have those two specific, like, fat r- records, mm-hmm. uh, like, signature tone, you know? So they were kind of innovators in a, in a sense in that, and I think... That seems very funny to be like, I want to record... Uh, well, wait, so it was uh, tracked with... Fat Mike, like he was producing? No, he wasn't producing, but it was with his record label, and his record label it was known for like super, super heavy, like right, okay. drowning drums, and like super, super heavily distorted. I would, I, I, okay, I would assume then that they were like generally using the same uh, studio, yeah, using same, the same engineers. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Right. That's kind of funny to be like, I want to track with this person because we want to track to tape and we like want all our fuck ups and warts to be there. Yeah. And then also to be like, but also we don't want the rest of the sound that is associated <laughs> right. with these people. But also I think that says that like Fat Mike was like very much like, yeah, no, I want to work with you guys. Yeah. You don't want to be our sound. That's fine. Like we still really want to work with you. Mm. So, and I think it was probably a little bit ahead of its time, um, you know, cause this was 2003. So like, pop punk was still like kind of the big thing which is like blink 182 some 41 like that style of pop punk like very right. early turn of the century stuff right. um this is like a year or two before green day releases uh, american idiot which is like seen as the the seminal pop punk right album even though it's more of a rock record but you know um but it's got like but it's, it's before like my chemical romance and um all those other Right, pop punk bands this, this, that I can't. This is a much more distilled punk sound. Yeah, this, this has not been muddied by uh by other genres and and other. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. definitely some more traditional um pop song structure on some al- some songs on the album, but overall it, it does keep that very punk. Like we don't need first chorus, first chorus, bridge chorus. Right. And uh, also, yeah. most of the songs are under three minutes. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, well, honestly, I think most of the songs are under two minutes. <laughs> right. Um, so speaking of, if you're recording a punk album, no, listen. If you're listen, if you're rec- if you're recording a punk album and the total runtime, and listen, I'm not even talking about how many tracks there are. I'm talking about total runtime. If we're going over forty minutes, you're no longer recording a punk album. So let's get into this punk album that they did record because it is under 40 minutes. Excellent. Uh, I have notes for the first track. Cool. Um, TSR, a.k.a. This Shit Rules. What do you What do you got, Jared? Tell me Tell me what you think about this. Uh, this shit's all right. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, TSA. Yeah, t- TSA. Um, <laughs> so I, I mostly... TS motherfucking A. Okay. <laughs> I mostly want to highlight this song because I think this is a great chance for us to talk about the vocal style um because i think this is the song for me that the vocals great the highest like the most against me definitely the this track feels like i mean honestly this is probably my favorite track on the album oh really okay uh, I, i'm very middling on this so well i'm very middling on the album Okay, but it's, it's your favorite middling? You can give me a, a pile of shit album, and I'll still say that there is a favorite track on it. We did review 10. We did review 10, and I but did and, have a favorite track on yes, that. I don't anyway, remember what it was. But it was there. Anyways, uh, as you were you were saying... One of these days we're going to record one of these and not bring up 10 by Pearl Jam. Well, I mean, how else are people going to play the tape maker's drinking game? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck! Fuck, I don't even remember what I was saying. I need to slow down on this. This entire punk track itself is very... Everything that's kind of grating about this uh, album for me, personally, Mm -hmm. which is slightly out of tune guitars and singing in a range that you can't hit with your your voice is just not meant for right. it and i feel like i can say this because i went and listened to uh their most recent release and laura jane grace's voice either through training or auto-tune or something mm. s- hits the range it's supposed to and sounds much better without it trying to reach and miss 
notes. Right. Um, so I, I would imagine, <clears throat> uh, that's a fairly common thing with, um, you know, especially bands that had much smaller beginnings, much, much, uh, much less, uh, well-known and less well-funded yes. beginnings. Yes, yes, yes. Um, is that, uh, the singers will definitely become much better over time in terms of, uh, their, their vocal performance and their technical ability. Uh, yeah. Part of, and that's the thing is that part of the magic of this album, not like this album has a lot of magic in my opinion, but right. like part of why it very specifically hits that, that note that I was talking about earlier is that there's a lot of warts on this vocal performance. Right. Um, it doesn't, always add to it Mm -hmm. for me yeah um but this song is one where it does okay that's fair i think i would have i would have been there with you i used to not care about this Mm -hmm. um but then something that's just like a really strange thing that's happened to me in my life is that almost every single person that i've ever dated has been a musician but only vocally like (laughs) they are just singers like um, some of them like can play piano or play like ukulele or a little bit of guitar or whatever, but like their their main instrument is voice. Right. Um and two of them specifically went to college and like did vocal performance in in college. One of them as like a just doing it as a hobby, but choral performance than one was going as a operatic performer. Yeah. Um and through those relationships and talking about music with them, mm-hmm. um and with having a slightly different like background in, in music that we listened to growing up and that mm-hmm. we thought his favorites and talking to that stuff specifically with the one who uh, was an operatic performer. It got beaten out of me that like <laughs> singers like singing out of like if you, your if vocal you go range, for a note and you don't hit it, that's objectively like, bad. Not ob- that's that's not specifically objectively bad, but it's like it's just bad singing because you could do the same thing in well, your range type so, thing. Uh, we're gonna plug a different podcast on our podcast. Real yeah, quick. no, go for it. Uh, I started listening to Ghost Notes, which is uh, Twelve Tone and Polyphonic. They're both music YouTubers. Right. They started a podcast together, which is really good. Um, and Twelve Tone specifically, uh, went to college and, and, uh, majored in like vocal performance or something like that. Okay. And is specifically like a trained metal singer. Um, right. And they, yesterday I was listening to an episode about what makes a good singer mm. and Twelve Tone definitely had the most insight on this topic. Yeah. And he basically started out the episode by saying there is a difference between a good vocalist and a good singer. Mm. They are separate things. Right. You can be both. Right. You can be a good vocalist. And it's it's the same as with pretty much any medium. It's the same as, you know, playing guitar. You can be uh foreshadowing. You can be <laughs> <laughs> you you can be a very uh virtuosic yeah. te- technically uh technically skilled player mm-hmm. uh but if that doesn't translate into a performance that evokes emotion from people it's one thing to evoke awe from people from your skill set it's another right. thing to evoke emotion and we're talking about art. Right. And on the flip side of that 
you can have no fucking clue what you're doing on whatever medium you're you're right. using to try and convey emotion. And as long as you're getting a reaction out of the people that you're trying to get a reaction out of, mm-hmm. that is a that is something that is an accomplishment. Right. No, for sure. Um, and yeah, I would totally argue that like for this album and and especially this first track, like, uh, no. Laura Jane Grace tracking this album. She's not a good vocalist, but a great singer for Against Me's first like real outing as a band. Right. No, and I think that I think that this album does a good job of showing that like you can get better at the music you're playing as you're recording an album. Because mm-hmm. I it. I, I don't know for sure, but I would guess they recorded these in order. Mm-hmm. And I think the last few songs vocally are much more um, hit where they're supposed to. Right. In both a technical and artistic quality. Than the first few. Well, Matt, um, see, I would argue that, uh, you know, it, it starts out in this realm of like, it's so bad, it's good. No, but you know what no, I mean? No, I know like, what you're saying. Yeah, it's so off note that like it has to be on yeah, purpose. It's, it's yeah, so, it's so intentionally not what you expect it to be, not not what you anticipate the notes to be. Right. Uh, and then it moves into a realm of, well, it's almost there. Yeah, no. And I, I think I appreciate the almost there because it's more of like, you, you know what your range is and you're working within that range a little bit more um, rather than um, going for something and not being able to hit it. And again... This is just because I, I dated someone who was a performing, like, going to school to then go and perform in, like, the most technically uh, demanding style of vocal right. work. So, like, and they had very strong musical opinions, which I really appreciated mm-hmm. um, about them. And so, yeah, just like, you know, multiple hours of discussion and debate, you kind of you kind of learn to be like, yeah, no, I see what you're saying, actually. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that is something that for this style of music will always kind of be there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just mixed with the um, especially the start, the guitar sounds so out of tune as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just like just like one. Maybe if one or the other was happening, I'd be more fine with it. But the fact that both is happening, I'm just like, it's it's a good start to the album. But it, those two things are very off putting for me about the track. So the next track I feel like talking about is the next track on the album, which is probably my favorite track on the album, which is a uh, cliche Guevara. Mm-hmm. Um, God, that fucking pick slide. Like it's, it's so <laughs> that does it for you. It does it for me. I don't know why. I think that's like the, like I was 16 and thought that sounded so fucking cool. Right. I see, see pig slides have, uh, pig slides never land for me. Right. No, that's fair. They landed for me when I was young and I feel like it's just very nostalgic. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Look at that sound. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's like a dive bomb. Like right. it, you no, know, yeah. it's it's something that like it's so easy to do <laughs> and it's so like unimpressive and it rarely like does does the thing for me. I don't know. It, it doesn't do the thing. I'm sure it yeah. can be tastefully done. I'm sure that you just uh, fucking found Tom it Morello's been able to do uh, Oh yeah, he's definitely done a pick slide pick, at some point in his life. Pick slides that that uh would would make me shit but uh <laughs> i'm sure he's played an entire solo that was just pick slides but and, yeah exactly um but anyways yeah this is i think this is probably the most skate punk energy that this album has
you can definitely feel the fact that they don't have their tempo down <laughs> and it just kind of keeps going on uh, i wrote down that you can it probably goes up like 10 beats a minute mm-hmm. from beginning to end which is not a, a bad thing at all but you, this is one of those you can definitely feel that ramp up happening as as they keep going and and it has that live energy right um and then a, a lyrical thing that i pulled from it was uh turn gunshots and mortar blasts into a metaphor of how we are all the same um just kind of this entire song is probably one of the more political songs that they do have on the album. Well, um, I mean, the song is called Cliche Guevara. Guevara. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, I do appreciate that it's like, we're all trying to be these like faux revolutionists. Right. But also, we don't know what the fuck it means to be a revolutionist at the same time. Right. Because it's 2003 America, you know, like, who right. really knew what that meant? Where suddenly, I mean, I was talking to one of my bosses a while back. Um, so we had some Proud Boys drive by in their pickup truck shout, shouting shit at people. Love it. Waving their fucking stupid ass flags <laughs> in their... Uh, and, yeah. you know, he's not way older than I am, but, you know, he's, he's older than we are. And, uh, you know, we were just kids oh, when yeah. 9-11 happened. Yeah. Uh, and so we grew up surrounded by this, this. sort of nationalism, mm-hmm. this sort of uh, unrelenting, like, <laughs> America is the best country on earth and we all are, you know, we're all uh, together, but, we, also, but also we're all separate. We, we bleed <laughs> red, white, and blue. Right. Yeah. And he was talking about how, like, this existed before then, but nowhere near the level that it like it exploded yeah. no for sure after 9-11 because it, like there were there was just so much propaganda you know like right not to make light of of a terrible thing that did happen to a lot of people but right you know that uh was used as fodder to feed a certain mindset and ideology to to feed a certain uh <laughs> military industrial machine yeah exactly <laughs> if, you, if capitalism has taught us one thing is that you can make money off of any sort of casualty and right. tragedy um and also this like 9-11 was the first time that i'm gonna say american soil because hawaii should not be fucking american but that's a different conversation right but well this, america shouldn't be american yeah, but <laughs> that's yeah, also that for sure um but okay so let's let's say this was the first time since world war ii pearl harbor that territory owned by america right uh had been attacked by a foreign nation right and this was the first time since the revolutionary war that quote unquote mainland America was attacked by a foreign country. Right. Like this just doesn't happen to us in, in our history. Like because we are so isolated and because we are so power hungry and, and because we spend so much goddamn fucking money on the military industrial complex. That like it's It's not about defense. It's about hoarding resources. And because of that, the fact that that um, okay. ideology of what America should be got penetrated for like the first time mm-hmm. really kind of ever, uh, we all lost our shit. 
like collectively America lost its shit and it has continually lost its shit for the past 20 years. We've been just slowly leaking shit out of our assholes as a country for the <laughs> Well, like since we existed, but yes, right. no, I know what you're saying. Since we founded a country. Yeah, but yeah, I I do appreciate I just wish it went harder, I guess. You know, I, I wish there was kind of more there cuz this kind of gets into that Another issue that we people have with punk music, and I definitely have with some punk music, which is that it just gets so like tongue in cheek mm-hmm. sometimes that like it just loses the message that it's trying to send. Um, it can be done very effectively, like I think the Dead Kennedys, um, Bad Religion, mm. um, Rancid a little bit, Anti Flag, like some of those like very anti authoritarian very popular punk bands that do get a little tongue in cheek with stuff. Right. Did it at a time and in a way that was more appropriate than some stuff that came out after nine 11. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a, a general trend in, in music that has continued to this day of, of stuff that was more anti-government seems to lyrically have, have been a lot better written, more thoughtfully written, used, mm-hmm different lyrical songwriting techniques mm-hmm. in a more effective way back in like the 50s, 60s and 70s, less in the 80s, just because of how American culture changed and what it prioritized. Because the entirety of American culture in the 1980s was consumerism. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because um, American meant consumerist in yeah, the 1980s. Exactly. Um, and I don't know if that's just that like America is becoming harder and harder to parody and, you know, make commentary on which we kind of talked about um i think yeah i mean fuck comment (laughs) welcome to tape makers we're now a political podcast yeah welcome to the leftist tape makers podcast where we take a punk album and then talk about uh, american geopolitical i'm just now realizing that your shirt's very fitting for for tonight's episode also you didn't even know that i was gonna have a camera no i didn't at all most fucking punk thing i could go for um, what, what song do you want to talk about next? Either positives or, or low lights. So this is, uh, there are a couple of problems here. Yes. As I stated previously, I only had notes for the first song. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there aren't really any standout tracks to me in this album. Okay. Um, the whole, I mean, Part of it, I think, is how short all of the songs are. Like, this album just goes whizzing by. Right. Um, And so that makes it hard to... That makes it more difficult to be like, oh, uh, this song is interesting to me for this reason. Here, what's... Let me double check what the name of it is so I can talk about it. Right. Um, And... Yeah, I don't really there there aren't really any standout tracks of like this is one of the better tracks on this album. All right. of the tracks on this album to me are okay. Right. Um and but there is one specifically that we will get to that uh I just don't like. <laughs> okay. Um the next one I'm going to talk about is one I'm not a big fan of, which is Sink Florida Sink. is the first acoustic song on the album and this i don't like the way that they mic acoustics on this album specifically Mm. on this song but in general i think that the mic is too close to the 
acoustic or it's being plugged in and they don't have a secondary like however they're mm-hmm. micing it or recording it it just has that like very you just all you hear is the pick you don't hear the warm acoustic happening it's it's a very punk sound or like a, right or a very well, early thousands punk i was gonna say yeah. folk punk you're not gonna be getting like you're not going for a warm welcoming sound right no but i mean like there it doesn't sound good in my opinion mm-hmm. though um and I think that's just kind of an issue with the song in general that I have. Like it just vocals are rough. It's pretty slow. I don't like any of the recording choices that they make of like, and also all the the production choices are like the most obvious shit you can do. This is the first time they add tremolo to a song. And I'm like, of course you did. <laughs> why, why wouldn't you? Uh, and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, the piano is just, it's very, it's, uh, and you know, it's, it's an angry punk breakup song that on acoustic, like it's very run of the mill, I guess, you know, it's, it's a very obvious choice of like, I wrote this breakup song, right? Obviously it has to be on acoustics. So that way people know that, you know, it's an emotional song mm. unlike the rest of our shit, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. There's no emotion in the rest of this album. No, not at all. Not one emotion. Except for the ugly head, except for the other two acoustic songs on the album. Those are emotional, obviously, because they chose acoustic for it. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> also the vocalization on this as well. It's just bad. I, it's just. It is pretty fucking tacky, isn't it? Yeah. And also, <laughs> they don't hit the notes either. Like, they're straining for the notes as well. Yeah. Um. It's just. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, it's very. Ta- it's a very tacky song. It's, it's almost like. Like, I I, I. I kid you not. This straight up feels like if I didn't know any better. Like, it's almost hitting the point of, like, it's so, like so cheesy right. the production decisions on this song mm-hmm. that it's almost it almost hits as intentionally cheesy like it almost it almost right. hits as like this is us making fun of those emotional acoustic ballads right. with the fucking piano if yeah. someone told you that this was a parody you'd be like yeah no i get it right. i get it yeah like you're making fun of this totally yeah i get it <laughs> no I, I see what you're saying um but yeah the next uh song on on the album slurring the rhythms yeah fucking banger it's incredibly staccato. It is the feeling of like a panic attack uh-huh. r- recorded. Um, and I really appreciate that um, a lot. And I think this is really good uh, vocalization, unlike the last track, where the vocalization behind was pretty bad. Mm. Uh, the bass goes really hard on this as well, which I very much appreciate. Mm. The bass is just staccatoing the entire time. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like it's kind of built for a mosh pit at the same time. Right. in a really good way like this is very it's a very dancey uh drum beat yeah, as well it's simultaneously like pretty high energy and also like it uh, you know it, it it feels like uh it's being held back intentionally yes um yeah it's really good yeah it, it also builds dynamically as well where it starts like just like the bass and the drums and yeah. then guitar comes in and then the other guitar comes in and then the two guitars start doing different shit at the same time. Yeah. Like it, it just build, they, they really do uh, build this feeling of like panic and anxiety 
and we just got to go out and like fucking breaks shit right. <laughs> type thing like in, in the best way possible right no it's a punk album yeah exactly like it's it's slightly anarchist punk album you know um and then also the kind of lyrics that i i pulled from this i i appreciated was um and this makes a heartbeat uh this could be any day of any year this could be any stage in any city all that matters is that we are moving on very uh 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 quaint yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i th- like that's that's very nice and like if i was a fan of this band that would probably hit me different right um but uh or if that's what you, you were looking for from lyrics either right like i, I just feel like it's not you you are not looking for people who are just like i'm gonna tell you exactly what i am feeling and what i'm wanting and i want you to go and do it right well you were talking about earlier about uh uh, i think you were talking uh we were talking about cliche guevara um Mm -hmm. about the uh, lyrical intent kind of getting missed yeah uh where it's like there are other people in the same genre who have done uh, who have tried to uh, tell similar narratives or have tried to uh, express similar opinions, um, but in a more efficient or more artistic way. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of how the lyrics for this whole album are for me too, where it's like, I like it lands in the same kind of middle zone where it's, it's like, you're not like beating me over the head with the concepts of this album. Like you're not uh, speaking so plainly that I, that I can't, uh, that there, that there is nothing else to be gleaned from this than what the, the direct things you, the direct statements you're making. Right. Um, but it's also not like, okay, these are lyrics that I can sit down and take time to dissect. Right. And that, like, if I listen to this album again six months from now, these lyrics are going to hit me totally differently. Right. Uh, there, there's not enough underneath the words for it to feel like a good, substantial, lyrical meal for me. Right. Um, but it's also not direct enough for me to feel like, uh, you know, that's the the moved artistic by intention by yeah. it. Yeah. You don't, you don't feel moved by the text and you don't feel like there's subtext. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got and, you. And it's not that, like, the... Uh, it's not that the lyrical content is not relatable to me or right. that I uh, disagree with a lot of the things that are said or anything like that. It's, yeah. it's just... Uh, Lyrics miss. They just miss for me. That's okay. That's It's allowed. Yeah. You know, just because it has good intention. Wait, allowed. This is our fucking podcast, Josh. This is, this is, this is, it's not just allowed. Our, our words are fucking gospel. Oh, right. I forgot. Sorry. I forgot that this is the only music podcast that fucking matters. Yeah. Ours is the only rating that fucking matters. And, and, uh, listen, there's reason. How I feel about the lyrics, uh, that's, that's just how the lyrics are. Yeah. That's not an opinion. That's factual statements. Listen, there's a reason we're the number one, uh, music rating podcast on the world because we're the only fucking one. Because we're the only fucking music podcast. It's like how there's only one season of Stranger Things. Exactly. And it's only because I don't acknowledge the others. And just how there's only one season of Friends. Every single season of Friends is the same season. Every single friend is the same stranger on Netflix What song today. do you want to talk about <laughs> next? Because um, I don't really have anything else really that i feel like i need to talk about um 
except for turn those uh, clapping hands into angry ballad fists. <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about that one, and then we'll we'll skip to one that I wanted to talk about a bit. All right, so this is the longest song on the album. Um, the note that I wrote down is that it's an anthemic song with no anthem. I hate the words that the singer is singing to me. I hate this melody. I hate this stupid fucking drum beat. But I'm not going to tell anyone what I'm really thinking Yeah, I can about. see that. Um, although it does feel like this is, this is like more anxiety attack slash depression. Mm-hmm. Um, of a song. Um, well, remember, this is part of a concept album. Yeah, so no, exactly. <laughs> um, I can't. It's t- not. It's the concept is hi. I'm in my early twenties and I have anxiety issues and also hate the government and also I'm in a bad relationship. Yeah, exactly. Slash just got over a bad relationship. Um, I can't tell if this is a takedown of that culture or if this is a song that's full of self hatred. Like, it straddles the line of like I can't tell if you're making fun of people or you hate yourself. <laughs> um. I think the end of the song is much better than the start of the song, but like it's still okay. It's one of the more emotional songs on the album for me, Mm -hmm. um, but it's still just kind of meh. Like it's just, it could be much better than it is. I think that's my like big issue with it is Mm -hmm. that there's a lot of potential here that I feel like just kind of goes missed. Like, I don't know. Like I it, it could I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I like. I enjoy this song almost. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's um. Like musically, I I really like it. Like musically, it's it it differentiates itself from the rest of the tracks on the album very well. Yes, it does. Um, and it uh, musically, I keep specifying this mm-hmm. puts me in a very different mood uh, from the rest of the album. Puts me it's it's it works well for evoking emotion. Right. Um, lyrically, it, you know, it's just like the rest of it. It's, it's not quite, uh, it, it is much more direct than some of the other lyrics right. in the album. Um, but nothing that's so like, uh, you know, drastically different to, to stand out in any way. Uh, As, she's not, she's not making any statements that no. are uh like incredibly profound or unique or or anything like that and none of these statements are uh dressed up or disguised or or right uh you know like obscured in any way right um i think laura jane grace uh, herself says it best um i hate the words that the singer is singing to me i hate this melody i hate this stupid fucking drum beat right like, well, see, that that's the kind of stuff that's like, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of fun, whatever. Um, and like, yeah, I think we've all been that level of angsty before. Right. We've all been that level of frustrated with literally everything at all times before. Um, but it, it doesn't, I don't know, maybe if I was just in a different mood, maybe if I wasn't like... Uh, 
I was going to say maybe if I wasn't at work, but then I realized like that's probably the perfect place to listen to that song for a lot of people. Right. But- yeah. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. Like if you were in a space where like you f- felt personally, if you were more in your early 20s and like maybe still living with your parents or just moved into your first place and like working a job you hated. Right. Like you'd relate to it more, but like you're not there. And right. the lyrics don't do anything else for you if you're not there. No, I right. get it. I get it. I want the last song on the album. I can't remember the name of it because I don't care. Cavalier Eternal. Cavalier Eternal. This is the breakup song, the acoustic breakup song. Yeah. One of the like three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But it's like the breakup acoustic song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the. I fucking hate this song. Just the remorse of a loss of a feeling. Even if I stayed. It just wouldn't be the same. Tell me more about why you hate this song. Um, I this this song offers nothing to me. Um, it's got that like, uh, like over the top early two thousands like kind of folksy like you could hear somebody playing this on a ukulele in the school cafeteria or whatever. You know what I mean? Um. It's got that kind of very bright, upbeat progression. And, like, I get that it's supposed to be a sort of uh, uh, um, juxtaposition with the lyrical content, with it being, like, uh, hey, we're breaking up. I wish I could say that I cared more, yada, yada. Right. Um, That's all this song has going for it is the idea of that juxtaposition. (laughs) Right. No, for sure. I don't think the lyrics are very good. Oh, yeah, no. There are breakup songs that are have hit me way harder. Right. There are entire breakup albums that may or may not end up on my list very soon. Ooh. Um, Oh, yeah, no, there. I'm not. This is not at all a a good breakup song. I like it more than some of the other songs um, because I think it's the best singing on the album personally. Um, well, Josh, if you're going into a punk out, no, listen, Josh, no, listen, okay, Josh. All right, you're listen. only gonna tell me this if once, you, if just you, this once, just once. Listen, if you're going into a punk album to review it, and you're paying, and you're, and you're, and you're putting this much stock into this thing, you're not reviewing a punk album. You're not wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think maybe the most like positive, but also maybe the most damning thing I can say about this song is like, yeah, I'd listen to someone sing this at an open mic night. Yeah, that's why I fucking hate this song, Josh. Like, no, you don't. That's fair. No, no you, you don't understand. You, you, nobody understands how fucking awful open mic nights are. And like, I get it. Like, you know, we've all been to one. Some of us have performed at them. And like, you can suffer through some bad performances, but you do not understand how awful, how fucking awful open mics are until you have to work at a venue that that puts them on. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I, <laughs> I it's I uh, when when the words open mic caused me to physically shudder. I feel my food move back up through my digestive system and, and I, and my nipples harden and soften at a rate so quickly that it, it, it actually forces me backward. Right. So the other, <laughs> the only other thing about the album I want to touch before we, we <laughs> move off and talk about reviews and whatnot is 
You look like I need a drink. Has a little bit of a Western vibe and a country two step on the bass, which I think is a, a fun choice. Yeah, like it's it. fun. Yeah. I think it, I think it's part of what makes this album um, uh, not as objectionable to me. Is is uh, there is a pretty? It all stays within that sort of early two thousands punk yeah. uh, uh, musical aesthetic, but it's still pretty varied. Yeah, uh, and that song's part of that. Yeah, um, and then there's an instrumental in there, which is like, sure, go off, I guess. Uh, it feels like it's mostly That's a like, great way to put that. <laughs> it feels like it's just like, hey, let's let the drummer have a moment, I, I guess. <laughs> sure, go off, I guess, is just how we should rate this album. Like this album doesn't get a number; it just gets sure, go off, I guess. Um, but some contemporary reviews that happened of the time, um, which. It would, it's hard to find early thousands reviews of obscure punk albums, surprise, surprise, um, that you feel like comfortable with like sharing because they're like written well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one I got is from All Music um, by Charles Spano. No idea when it was written, but it was written for All Music. Okay. Um, four out of five stars. Okay. Um, and the poll quote I got from it is, but no matter how you stack it, as the Eternal Cowboy is an accomplished record of country folk punk that would only qualify as overpolished to the most hardline anti-barcode punk kids criteria. At its best, the Eternal Cowboy is one of the few early thousand punk albums that transcends its genre and has the rock and roll clout to storm the mainstream. Hmm. I would agree with like half of yeah, that. Yeah, I... Because we are not, you know connoisseurs Uh, listen no listen (laughs) alright now listen now we're only going to tell you this once now no but I I see what you're saying like I don't fully agree with it either but I thought it was an interesting take Mm -hmm. Uh, a more interesting take that I found is from punknews.org Punk news dot. Wow, they uh, it's it's not a dot com. No, the, listen. Punk news is a nonprofit organization because if listen with your five dollars, no, listen. If you're making a profit, it's not punk. Please, with your five dollars, these four punk punks can still get their news. <laughs> Um, Andy for punknews.org. No last name. No last name. His <laughs> last name is Punk News. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or maybe uh, is Andy C word? Or S word? F word? Andy gave it five stars. <sighs> okay. As a band, the most flattering quality of Against Me is that they aren't preaching from a high plateau. Rather, they are in the trenches with us. Us. Uh, with this release, you get the feeling that you're plotting the revolution with them as opposed to numbingly following along. Despite their musical reach, they still feel romantically close, almost like something that is too good to let go. But with the Eternal Cowboy, the wolves are set free. Hmm. Sure, Andy. This person really liked this album. Yeah, also... Andy (laughs) F-word. Andy mother effing F. (laughs) Andy... Andy Emmerfer. <laughs> but it doesn't matter what Andy fucking said. It only matters what we fucking say here at Tape Makers as we move over to the only score that fucking the matters. The only score that fucking matters. We're scoring this out of nine. Jared, what do you give as the Eternal Cowboy out of nine? Out of nine. I'd give it. That was great. Hang on. That was great. I'd give it a four out of five. Oh. It's out of nine, though. 
out of wait. Sorry. <laughs> I'd give it a four out of nine. A four out of nine? Yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. Um, it's one of those things of like, the more critically I discuss it, the least good things I have to say about it. But if I were to go listen to it without critically thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, that's a fine album. So yeah, I'm, like I'm in got, between- for me, like not trying to sell you on my score. No, you're good. Capacity, you're good. Just trying to explain that the most I listened to this album was at work as like, you know, I was trying to pay attention to it, but also like I was measuring Working. and cutting things and yeah. do it like, I've been working construction basically for the last. This is a good several, construction album. I'll give it that. Yeah. Um, and so it's been something that's like, yeah, this is unobjectionable content in the background of my life right now. Exactly. Which sometimes that's all you need. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to give it a, a, a four out of nine as well. Okay. I was thinking maybe a three and then I was like, well, maybe a five. Well, maybe a three. So if I'm in between those two, right. like <laughs> I might as well just give it a four, you know, if only there was a, a, a positive integer between three and five. Ugh. All right. So let us move over to the official tape makers list. The list of every single album of all time ranked in order of goodness. Uh, this is the last time we're going to go through all of them because we're going to have a top 10 after this album. So right. let's get ready for it. Uh, currently at number one is Pieces of a Man by Gil Scott Heron. Second is Boarding House Reach by Jack White. Third is The Beautiful Game by Wolfpack. Four is Destroyer's Rubies by Destroyer. Five is Blood Pressures by The Kills. Six is Big Mess by Danny Elfman. Seven is Ten by Pearl Jam. And then eight is Wasteland Baby by Hoysier. So if we were to give it a, a perfectly balanced list, a perfectly balanced list. So if we were to give it a four out of nine, that would put it right above blood pressures by the kills. How do you feel about that? Yeah, we're bumping that down. Yeah, right? we're, we're bumping, bumping that, that down. down. Yeah, a hundred percent. Wait, what's what's the sound? Hang on. Uh, <laughs> Fuck, we got to get that sorted out. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're good. But uh, yeah, no, like, I, it's a fine enough album, but like, blood pressure. I feel like this is going to be a good, like, Mendoza line of like, I feel like um, As the Eternal Cowboy is the most, like, this is fine album mm-hmm. that we've reviewed so far. Yeah. The most Midland album. The most, the most Midland album that we've reviewed so far. It's not like our favorite, and it's like slightly below, like, would we listen to this again? Probably not. But if someone put it on, we'd be fine with it. Right. Um, so I think this is going to be an interesting, like kind of balance in between like what we consider good albums versus what we consider like fine enough albums. Cause I think there's enough um, space in between as the eternal cowboy and big mess that there's a lot of room to play so in there. So what you're saying is that moving forward, we're going to try and maintain this album in the center of the list at all times. Maybe, maybe <laughs> this, this album is the is the rubric that we use to score albums from here on out. Is is this better or worse than As the Eternal Cowboy? What I what I'm saying is that it should always be for. 60% down the list. There should always be like 60% of the list above it, 40% below it. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'll All take right. that. So that is As the Eternal Cowboy by Against Me. Thank you uh, to Jake for recommending it to us. Uh, you allowed us to go on a little bit of a political rant and talk about punk music for a while, which I'm always a fan of. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with As it... <sighs> Fucking hell. As the intervals record the album, which is called The Shape of Color... 
but then we listen to it and review it on Tape Makers. Woo! And we're back from our break, and we got second Bev's in hand, and now we're moving on to The Shape of Color by Intervals, which, god damn it, what a hard album to get information on, because every single time you type in The Shape of Color, it automatically says, oh, do you mean The Shape and the Color by Foo Fighters? Oh, my first thought was The Shape of, uh, is it The Shape of Water, the Guillermo del Toro movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, yeah, no, there's a, like, 97, like, Foo Fighters album that's called The Shape and The Color, and they're like, obviously, you mean this album, because why the fuck would you mean anything the else? The Food Fights? Yeah, The Food Fighters. Um, so this album, by Intervals, was released December 4th, uh, 2015. It's the fourth release by the band, but their second album uh, comprises of Aaron Marshall as the composer of all the tracks, lead guitar, rhythm guitar, and one of the co-producers. Cameron McLennan on bass. Uh, he was also a co-producer and an engineer. Uh, Travis Orban was on drums and uh, just random percussion stuff. Uh, Anthony Calabretta was a co-producer. He did the mixing and the mastering of this. And then on saxophone was Leland Witte, which we'll get to that. Leland. Tra- but we'll I'm get to that to track, but name. I am uh, surprised it was an actual saxophone. Oh, okay. We'll get we'll get to it. When we'll we get, get to it. it. Yeah. Um, so this is a prog metal slash gent uh, outing. It's genty. It's genty. Okay. It's it's described as gent. Yeah. It's mostly prog metal, but it's it's described as gent. Maybe that's lazy music journalism. But a lot of people who talked about this album that I I found online talked about it being part of like the gent wave. Interesting. So, I I probably just don't have a very good understanding of what gent is, and apparently not a very good understanding of what metal is because I only I only got like a metal hit off of a couple of tracks on this album. Yeah, well, interesting. I I knew for a fact that this was metal, like from from the off. So right. Okay. I, I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about it as we get there. Um, this was self released by Aaron Marshall, and this is the first album that he released as a solo act. Um, he did his first two EPs. Um, were solo stuff, and then he did an EP and a album as a full band with a vocalist, mm. and then uh, the drummer, the bassist, and the vocalist all left um, just due to creative differences. Uh, Aaron, after the vocalist left, he left first. Mm. After that, Aaron and the band's agent wanted them to go back to instrumental metal, uh-huh. prog metal, and the um, guitarist and the drummer wanted to go find a different vocalist to replace the vocalist who left. So Interesting. Okay. So the guitarist and the bassist left. So Aaron was like, well, I'll just do this by myself again. Um, so that's why it's it's an all-instrumental album. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no vocal vocals on it at all. Um, as far as we're aware. As far as we're aware, yeah. Um, not a whole lot of coverage at the time it came out, probably because it was self-released. It was a pretty small right. band at the time. And also, uh, something that I found was that it, it sounded too clean for the gent boom that was happening at the time. Yeah. Um, something that was said was like, 
this guy is like technically proficient, but his sound is cleaner than the rest of the like quote unquote bedroom gent that you'll find. Bedroom gent. There's a fucking string of words. <laughs> um so yeah, so it was it was pretty overlooked at the time that it was released. But okay. from what I from what I understand, Intervals is now considered one of the more respected um instrumentalist um prog metal mm-hmm. gent uh outfits out there right so they they tour with some of the bigger uh prog metal bands in general um well uh, speaking of touring i guess i've seen these guys live okay you guess i <laughs> um i tell more well okay so so what this probably would have been like 2016 2017 around there sure um Those i are years. went and saw uh animals as leaders yeah they did tour with animals as leaders yeah 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 um and the yeah, I guess. No, just, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a real odd pairing. Listen, that was only at like the secret shows. If you got like the text code, <laughs> um, I went and saw animals as leaders mm. uh, with some friends, including Mitchell, who recommended this album to us. Shout out Mitchell, we love you. Shout out Mitchell. Also, quick aside, uh, these two albums we were recording our last episode and. While recording that episode, we realized that we didn't have a full friends and family list. And yeah, so we-, <laughs> we texted Jake and Mitchell saying, we need two more recommendations literally right now. We are literally tracking right, right now. <laughs> and so... Because uh, we prepare. We're professionals. And they sent us these two albums, and then we just happened to roll. Uh, we just happened to roll those two albums. Listen, the dice knew. The dice was like, nah, you guys got to talk about this shit, because you are not going to talk about this shit if, if right. this doesn't come up uh and uh so yeah it was just funny how that worked out it, it is very funny um, yeah but you saw you saw animals as leaders and, and intervals opened yeah apparently yes um, they did <laughs> according to and the internet the, they did i had never listened to intervals before and uh like i mean they were great live uh as far as i remember i was very i think i had edibles that night maybe Hell yeah i was very baked i vaguely remember that show uh, but Mitchell was there yes. and coherent. And uh, a while back, there. I was like, "Who did I texted him?" Because I was talk because uh, I was talking about animals as leaders with somebody, and I was like, "Who right. the fuck opened for them?" I texted Mitchell, and he was like, "Intervals," and I was like, "It's not intervals." And he's like, "I know it was intervals <laughs> because I was there for intervals. Right? Animals as leaders was just the icing. I was there for intervals. And Interesting. Like, oh, uh." Okay, I guess I've seen Intervals live. Yeah. Um, so this is like one of Mitchell's like babies. Right. Yeah, he loves the, He loves this album, loves this band. I understand why. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely, uh, I, yeah, get, what's, your, what's your overall? <clears throat> so my, my big overall take, my big overalls. My big overalls. Is that um, this is some anime-ass shit, man. <laughs> Like this anime, is some- anime core is my favorite subgenre of music just because that not not because I enjoy the music but just because there is a subgenre of music <laughs> called anime core. Yeah, no, for sure. Like this is not anime core, but like, god damn it, this. I mean this in the like most kindest way possible. It makes sense that people who really like metal are also are like big fucking dweebs, <laughs> like super <laughs> into anime, super like yes weebs, like. Weebs. 
dweebs and weebs. Yes, but like, god damn it, this is some like I could see this as like anime intro, anime fight music, right? JRPG fight no, music. This is, Jeff, definitely, yeah. this is definitely like 2008 uh, Naruto supercut uh, fodder oh, yeah. for definitely sure. Definitely AMV music, right? Definitely <laughs> AMV. Like, but I mean this in the kindest way possible. I promise. Like, like big love to everyone that is like super into anime, gotten into anime a lot more over the last few years. Like, I it's great. I love it. But goddamn, this is some anime ass right lead music so, some um, of it i there are def- definitely some tracks more than others where i'm like yeah this is uh just i'm just watching a a, a heavily stylized fight scene between yes. two animated characters exactly. in my mind right um now. but goddamn aaron is a technician with the guitar oh like, yeah his some of his licks and some of his riffs and there's the technicality that he has really high quality really yeah. really really high quality stuff um sometimes it gets a bit too busy for mm-hmm. my liking and i think most of that comes down to more of that genty style um right. specifically with the drums mm-hmm. i think the drums get a little bit in the uh travis barker range a bit too much for me mm-hmm. uh travis barker you are aware of or no based off I, the name i know who he is i have okay. not uh never really taken the time to delve into his uh repertoire so the reason why i call it the travis travis barker range is that he's the the drummer for blink 182 right and all the time blink 182 songs back when i listened to them so i haven't listened to their newest album or two um but based off of what i remember and what i've listened to and what friends have shown me um every single time that there are no vocals going on. The drums are just like, and how many fills can I do? <laughs> and how, just how many hits can I get at the, uh, wait, no vocals. My turn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. So, so I think the drums hit, get like get into that range a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. It was just like, dude, you, you did not need to like, yeah, double bass that. And then do like a, a drum fill and hit every single time you got. Right. Like, there's one um, track specifically that we'll get to, but, uh, yeah, my overall takes, my overall take is that this is a very listenable album for the genre that it is. Yes, um, I agree. The major, the a surprising majority of this album is something that I could that that I was pleasantly listening to, like mm-hmm. totally content to be listening to it while doing flooring and and painting doors. Oh yeah, and uh, it, it, <sighs> I wrote down that I think it's really good driving music, but the more like intensely you listen to it, the more you're like, eh, okay. At least for me. I could see that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and what's... And, and I, I believe that part of the draw of Intervals as a project is that... Uh, I You know, I've been thinking of Intervals as a, van, as a band, but I guess him... It's a project. Yeah, yeah, specifically. Yeah. Uh, very, very good at balancing uh, the technical virtuosic side of... of uh, that genre, that right. style of playing, with a very listenable, very melodic, very uh, the it's it strikes a really good balance where it's right. the type of thing that if you know what's going on, this is pretty technically advanced stuff. Oh yeah, uh, and if you don't know what's going on, this is really nice to listen to. Yeah, I think it falls um, in a similar category as uh, what we were talking about with Wolfpack mm-hmm. of like if you know what they're doing. You're blown away by it. 
but also if you don't know what they're doing on like a technical scale you're just like wow this is really good music like i can definitely listen to this and i think uh one of the issues for me personally with like prog metal and gent metal Mm -hmm. is that like it takes that listenability and then it's just like and then here's this random breakdown for like three seconds and then we're back to the listenability every Mm -hmm. like 15 20 seconds Mm -hmm. um and i think for me personally that's where it um falls down but i'm definitely wanting to eventually talk about prog metal in general more because i think it's a very fascinating genre Mm -hmm. um and it's one that i've not spent too much time with either Mm -hmm. um and so it's it's one that we're we're kind of coming into not as expert as we have on other genres. Right. I mean, both of these albums are are genres that we are not super well versed in. Right. I mean, I, you're you're more versed in punk than I am. Yeah. Uh, but and, I'm less versed in punk than I am, or I'm less versed in prog metal than I am in punk. And all my punk knowledge is from when I was like a teenager in early right. early twenties. So, so, so all this to say, we're 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 prog metal slash gent babies uh let's pop our cherry uh, baby um what do you want to start with uh let's start i i I feel like we'd be remiss to skip the first track oh yeah no um i think that it's a excellent track for starting this album and setting the stage for what you should expect from the rest of the album oh yeah no for sure um i i think this is a fantastic like here you go within the first like 10 seconds even of like this is what you're going to hear. It's very technical. It's very virtuistic. It's a lot of triplets happening on the guitar. Um, but the the main melody of the um, guitar itself is is very listenable, very easy to right. hear. And then the, the rest of the musicians and come I, in. And I think that's what this whole album, that's sort of like the glue for this whole album to me, is that a lot of the lead guitar work is not about how many notes he can play it so quickly, how many pinch pinch harmonics he can, he can pull out how many, like how many of the technical sides of guitar playing he can do and more about like, what do I need on this song? Like when he solos, he definitely gets to like that technical, how many of this can I do and, and whatnot, but it, he still keeps that melodic aspect of it throughout right. the entire thing that he's doing. Um, and then especially when he gets back into the main melodic riff that he's doing the entire time, um, you can definitely tell why he was like, no, we don't really need to go back to a lead vocalist because like I got it. Right. Um, I think on this song, more than other songs... Um, it gets a little too messy with all the things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Um, like I really, really like the lead lick, the lead melody, mm-hmm. but then um, the guitar, like the genty guitar and the genty bass and the genty like um, really drums, just like it doesn't take it down for me at all as like a, an overall song. But those are the moments where I'm just like, I didn't really need that. Mm-hmm. Like everything else you were doing was fantastic to support this lead uh, guitar lick that's happening. And then the, this like three second, like breakdown that you had just like, I, I didn't like it, which interesting. I, cause, cause this is one of the tracks where I felt like it worked really well in that aspect. Like I, I felt like a lot, like all of the instruments were very cohesive within, within the context of the song and that everything was sort of working right. towards a, a, a common purpose. 
uh, as I, opposed to a couple of other tracks that we'll right. get to where where it's sort of like, you know, this, yeah. this feels like it's here because you were bored with the song otherwise. Right. And it doesn't improve the track or make it more interesting. It just is, it, it comes across as you being bored and trying to mess around more. Right. No, I, um, I get what you're saying. And I, I think this is a really good use of that. But I think maybe it's a comment on how I feel about the genre in general, mm-hmm. where I'm like, everything else you were doing up until this like three second little bit <laughs> where it's just like, why did you double t- time it? Mm-hmm. I just don't get it. Like I, it just detracts from the listenability of the main, um, the main lick. Like if you just, like I said last week with Wolfpack, like if you just fed me a stem of the bass, I'd, I'd love it. But with this, with intervals, like if you just fed me the stem of the lead guitar, I, I would have no problems with this song specifically. I think mm-hmm. it's probably the most, um, evocative mm-hmm. lead um and the most melodic lead and i think as we'll get to there are some songs where you could tell like oh this might actually have been better with the if you had a guitar or, or a vocalist with you i, the, I don't know there, um, yeah we'll get to it um for sure yeah what do you want to talk about next i definitely want to talk about sure shot okay yeah what do you want to talk about with sure shot um this is probably my favorite track on the album okay um it's it's one of the and and see that's this is why like i didn't really get a metal feel from this album in general because this is one of the heavier tracks on the album oh yeah no it's it's definitely heavy the thing that i get heavy wise out of it is the riff at the beginning has a lot of rage against the machine vibes to me up at all but like this very For sure like yeah. it's very like you could see kind of funk metal like 90s funk metal that rage against machine right was like it's very in that kind of um realm yeah that kind um, of like uh minor pentatonic kind of like uh yeah i got i got you yeah like but what, what else do you like about it besides the the heaviness of it um I like it. That's the thing is that it transitions really well from that opening sort of uh, really bouncy riff mm-hmm. um, that's heavy, not necessarily bluesy, but but in that kind of minor groove right, sort of yeah. thing. transitions really well into um some really well layered chords yes. and a and a and a guitar melody going over the top of those chords that works so well um yeah no it's i think for me the reason i didn't mark it as one of my high points is that it has like four very distinct movements within the song itself, mm-hmm. and two of the move two two of the movements really hit for me, mm-hmm. and the other two just don't. Okay. Um, like I just wish they would have stayed in the other movements longer. Mm-hmm. I guess. Um, not that it, like I I respect that musical choice to like have we have these four three or four different specific m- moments within the song that we're gonna transition to each time and we're not going to go back to what we were doing but i i kind of wish they stayed in the first two mm-hmm. more so than what they ended up 
growing too. And I, I think it just grows too much, I guess. I, I, I don't know. That's why, but like, it's so close for me. It's so close to being like a highlight. It's just, really? it just slightly misses it for me. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, well, what's what? Give me one of your starred tracks then. Yeah, no. Um, one last thing on Sure Shot is that I think this is a song that if it did have vocals, it would it would probably push it over the top because I think the mm-hmm. melodic guitar work is just like it it almost works. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the for Sure Shot in general. It's like for me, it's like it's almost there for me, but it just misses mm-hmm. on one or two key points. Um, the next one I want to talk about is Sweet Tooth. So unless you want to talk about Fable, which is the song um, with the sax in it. Uh, like, all I have for for Fable is... Uh, uh, let me let me review my notes actually real quick. No worries. Um, so this, this is the song with the saxophone on it. It's the only song with the saxophone on it. Right. So, and, so what I have written for Fable is this feels like the exact kind of technically impressive but still melodic and enjoyable thing that Intervals is known for. Okay. Um, and then I have in all caps, sax, period. Yes, period. More, period. <laughs> so it must have been the way they recorded it or how they mic'd it or something that they did to it. I could have sworn that this was a synth playing a sax. Interesting. Like I could have, I, I was so convinced. You thought this was midi sax? Yeah. I thought it was midi sax for the longest time. Um, and I, I don't know if, cause I found out, I found out like after I had written like most of my notes in my head or, and down a little bit mm. that there was a sax player on this song. Um, so I think that did cloud it a little bit um, okay. for me, but there are definitely some production decisions that, um, you know, the, this album kind of leans not so much into that mod, like um, talking about the drums specifically. Right. Um, last week talking about um, Big Mess, it's got that Big Mess has that very much like modern uh, very bright, very articulate, right. um, sort of almost sampled feeling mm-hmm. drum sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that's something that really, that's something that really turns me off about like hardcore and, and, uh, modern metal and a lot of stuff like that, where like the drums specifically just don't sound good to me. Right. This album is not specifically for the drums, not so much of that right. is happening. Like, uh, like the kick and the snare, um, are a lot more differentiated than in other uh, recordings within the same kind of genre. Right. Um, which is like one of the, my biggest pet peeves. Like on that Danny Alfman album, it's like, right. yeah, is, yeah, yeah, am yeah. I hearing the kick or the snare? The only difference is the actual snares on that drum. Because they <laughs> practically are, are tuned to the same. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, for sure. No, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like the, the drums on, on this entire album are, are less of that, but there are still some modern production decisions throughout the rest of the instrumentation. Yeah. And, and I think that for. like the saxophone maybe uh, that you're talking about, I think that there are certain li- like little decisions like that where it, it's just a little too crispy. Yeah. It's a little too clean and it doesn't feel like people in a room performing yeah. together. I think there's probably nor real- does it feel like it goes far enough the opposite direction yeah. where it's, it, you know, it feels intentionally disconnected. It right. feels intentionally not live. It, it feels like there's a, a heavy gate on it. probably a little bit of compression Mm -hmm. like almost no they cut out most of the reverb on it you know like 
Which are decisions that they're more than welcome to to make, but for me, it made it sound like it was a, a mini. Right. Well, um, especially sax. because you know, I I know you you listen to jazz. Also, you're you're a fellow jazzer. <laughs> yes, we both. <laughs> you really enjoy that jazzum. Listen, uh, we we both known to jazz in a room together. <laughs> We've. It's been too long since we jazzed t- jazzed <laughs> together, Josh. Um, One of these days, we'll we'll jazz all over the room together. And you know, you can't, uh, you know, saxophone often is you can't bring up saxophone without also talking about jazz, right? No, um, for sure. And and so you know, we've heard plenty of recordings of saxophones with you know where it's like, okay, here's the ribbon mic that's also picking up the the upright bass uh, right. and when you take your drums, solo yeah. walk over to that. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. <laughs> like, yeah, no, yeah, we've, we prefer listening to that more analog. You can hear the guy gasping for breath while he's playing the right. sax. I, I bring so. that up just to say that, like, you and I, specifically when it comes to saxophone, know what a much more live-sounding, yes. much more sort of natural-sounding recording for a saxophone sounds like. For sure. And so, yeah, that's yeah. probably part of what took you out of that one. No, um, for sure. I don't know. I was just so, like, fucking happy when it came in on that track. No, I think, <laughs> I was, I think like, it was a good yes. choice. Yes! I think it was a good choice for that track. And also, I forgot what... um active pickups clean sounded like oh yeah that's a thing that people do sometimes yeah and and they do it on this album and this is the first track i think they do it on and i'm just like oh right yeah that's what that's what that sounds like right um so sweet tooth is the next one that i am gonna talk about um and i don't know if you've ever played this series of video games but this is a Yakuza intro song, and I am so fucking here for it. Really? Yeah. I, this is one of my least favorite tracks on the album. No, that I understand I understand why you're not, but let me pitch it to you. Please, pitch it to so me. So, in the Yakuza games, it's a JRPG where yeah. you obviously, you play as a Yakuza member. Mm-hmm. Um, in those games, at the very beginning, again, these are like 100 plus hour JRPGs. Oh, this is good gen. It is good gen. This is my first, like, uh, just straight sip of it it's a really good gen okay sorry continue. no you're good so it, it's a 100 plus hour jrpg modern jrpg uh with a lot of fighting a lot of like very melodramatic main storyline and then just batch crazy side missions mm-hmm. um or like you own a you own a baseball team and you got to figure out how to get people out to your baseball games and then in, another side mission is you gotta fight the wrestlers to become the best wrestler in the and all of this see, is like and, and see that like uh you know if we if we really wanted to get into it into it we could start talking about different different media and how right uh you know different a, a, an emotion uh that is that is being pulled out of you or reached for within a given medium is uh doesn't work as well in a different medium right um, but um in Yaku- in that context yeah. i could totally see enjoy like yeah the, yeah, the song's so, a bop okay yeah 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 <laughs> so the but the main thing about like yakuza game intro music is that it literally is just taking parts of the cutscenes throughout the entire game and just slices it together in like a three and a half minute like this is what you're going to experience over the next like 100 hours kids buckle up <laughs> um and it's just it it goes from like very melodramatic like man in a alleyway that is raining upon him walking away from the camera to fights with a motorcycle 
uh, a guy on a motorcycle without a shirt on with a machete driving towards you in a uh, storm drain. You know, like all of the, just like the most random ass shit. Right. Um, it sets a, the mood, though. Yes. And a song like this plays over it. I think it's fantastic um again it, it gets a little too busy sometimes for my liking which i think is just a issue that i have with gent in general is the breakdowns just get a little too much for me and and my liking right um but uh, i love the double uh guitar lead that they do sometimes during right. the melody specifically um yeah again in that context i can totally see this being a bop um for me, so like the first thing I want to point out uh, is that in the beginning of the track, right, so this tone <laughs> is definitely the two or four position of a three pickup selection you mean a five-way uh, yeah but like but a yeah, five-way yeah, no, switch between yeah. three pickups yeah, 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 the, yeah. the two or four position yeah uh between two single coils or or a, a split humbucker or something yeah um and that's a tone that i fucking hate it's, it's just not a thing it's for you yeah. <laughs> attached to the wall beside me is my supro guitar which mm. comes stock with a five-way pickup selector <laughs> for its three pickups which right. i have swapped out with a three-way selector because i never use more than one pickup at a time <laughs> right yeah. and that tone is the reason why i it, don't just not like a thing it for you i've never like heard it in the context of a song and been like that's a tone that i enjoy it's always like why does the guitar sound fucking stupid right now right no for sure for sure <laughs> um so that's and and you know that's you got that like chordal intro in the beginning and mm -hmm. then uh and then that guitar uh over the top with that tone so it's not a great start to begin with for me right you just don't like this you just don't like the um choice that they made on on what the guitar tone was going to be and so it's hard to it's hard to cover when it's and, such well, a guitar and that's one thing yeah. you know that's that's like guitar tone is as with all everything else we're talking about it's subjective except for the fact that it's not <laughs> and you can play a great <laughs> that's true actually yeah, yeah, yeah. uh you can you can play a great riff with mm -hmm. you know a, a guitar tone that i wouldn't find great and and i would still find it musically enjoyable um my issue is that like something between the chord progression and the guitar melody over the top right um it it lands in a very sort like i don't know like i'm not the kind of person that listens to music from an anime outside of an anime you know what <laughs> no, i mean no, i, I like, get you yeah like cowboy bebop slaps it does slap uh but not the outro music yeah no like, that's like fair the yeah. like the theme song for cowboy bebop is fucking killer but like the outro music is not shit that i'm going to be playing in my car on my way to pick up my mom from the airport you know what i right, mean right yeah no i think in general instrumental music from media 
no matter what it is, if it is associated with visual art, usually doesn't sound as good by itself. I will fight you on that. <laughs> Generally, outside... We'll get into it later. It's like you've never listened to the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Okay, whatever. <laughs> um... <laughs> Do you want to talk about another one that you like or you dislike next? Um, what are you feeling? Uh, give me your next one because I don't have uh, I don't have a whole lot of stars from here on out, actually. No, it's fine. Um, I like Black Box, which is the next song. Mm-hmm. This um, is one of the more metally ones, in my opinion. Yeah, no, for sure. My my understanding of metal, apparently, which is totally <laughs> inept. Uh, Who knows? Um, that's a, that's inaccurate. That's where I was. That's for. between you and the metal gods. <laughs> I think the guitar tone and the um, kind of lead guitar in this, it's just like, it's a very pure, it's very pure. Like, yeah, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. It's another one where it starts with the guitar by itself and then everything else comes in. And I, I think highlighting how musically talented Aaron is throughout this entire thing is mm-hmm. a, always, always a good choice. Never a bad choice to be like, listen, look, listen to this good guitar. Do you hear this good guitar? It is for you. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Um, Again, I think this is a song that uh, Travis Barker mode gets engaged a little bit too much by the drummer. Yeah, I so my notes for this one are that it's a little too heady sometimes. Um, like there's heady there, in which way? In in that like it goes into that sort of like this is complicated for the sake of being complicated mm, sometimes. Right. Like this section instead of going like how do we change this section to make this song good? You right. did. How do we change this section to make this song interesting or right. to make this song impressive? Um, which I, you know, I'm not into. Right. Yeah, um, no, for sure. Um, it's just a song that's like, if the drums are like maybe 10% less, I'd like a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like they just, the backing, every. Any, any single time I'm like, wow, there's a lot of backing stuff going on on, the, on this right. song. Like, it's a little less. But I think uh, even with those kind of def- defects that I, I see within the track, I think it's one of the stronger tracks on, on the album. Yeah, no, I, for sure. I, like, it's definitely not one of my top picks, but I also don't have very many top picks. Right. Because this album as a whole is good. Like, there's... Mm-hmm. Uh, Sweet Tooth is honestly probably the only song that I would skip. Okay. on this album interesting okay um well what do you want to talk about next then or do you really have um, a preference because i just want to the only ones that i want to talk about really are the two longest on the track or uh, on the album well we can skip ahead to libra because that's the one that i have more notes on yeah let's go for it um i th- think that this is an example of them missing the mark Specifically in the rhythm section, 
there is stuff going on that is there for the sake of being complicated um where it's not um not that there's anything wrong with complicated rhythms happening right the issue is that it feels so disconnected from the guitars at that point yeah um or at least from the lead guitar where it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel cohesive it doesn't feel like right no for sure i think this is for me this is the most like it's a metal song Mm -hmm. that it gets on the album and this song is actually their most played on spotify interesting okay and i don't get it personally Um, it's that double bass it is that double bass, or maybe it is the fact that it's the most like to my ear, like a standard metal song. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, yeah, this is what people who like metal are gonna more um, drift towards out, out See, of the album. That's, that's what's interesting to me is that, like, you know, this song, aside from that heavy main riff, like the the what you might call the verses, I guess, right, um, are very kind of bright uh, in terms of uh feeling in terms of emotion right yeah 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 um and it's hard for me to sort of uh you know it's hard for me to hear something in in that emotional range and think oh yeah this is metal like you know i don't know to me yeah. it's just like oh this is just like uh, this is just prog like this is just prog rock because it's yeah. like there's heavy stuff happening and there's interesting uh you know there's uh, musically complicated stuff that's going on. It's technically involved, right? Um, but it's not like dark and brooding. It's not, uh, you know, this doesn't make me think of death. This doesn't make me right. think of Satan. This no, doesn't for sure. make me think of a pit <laughs> opening up and and a bunch of of, of uh, uh, evil imps pouring up out of the ground before a large uh, scorpion. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, uh, yeah. Fair. Uh, you know what I mean? No, I get what you're saying. I, I think for me, like... <laughs> like, that's metal to me. <laughs> no, that is metal, but I think um, modern metal is different, I think. And I've... Not that I've listened to a whole lot of modern metal. No, listen. Okay. If, <laughs> if we already song, did that bit on if, the last album, Jared. New it's bit. called a callback, Josh! Okay, continue. <laughs> If your uh, song doesn't conjure the image, you know, if your song doesn't conjure the image of uh, a large pit opening up in the ground and uh, evil spirits erupting uh, like a plague upon the living, then you're not playing metal, sweetheart. This is a different genre, baby. Just because your guitar is distorted, you know, just because your drums are heavy, just because I can't fucking tell your kick drum from your snare drum, Jesus fucking Christ, learn how to tune your goddamn drums. You're not playing metal, sweetheart. Alright, fair. Fair. I talk fair. about tuning as if I know anything about fucking drums. I'm still learning how to fucking mic drums, dude. You, you, all you know is there's a key. There's a key to the drums. A drum key, if you will. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but for, like, my understanding is that, like, it... Maybe I feel like it's not as prog. Or maybe not as gent as the rest of the album. So that's sure. where I get more of like the, it's just kind of a, a, more of a standard metal song. Um, and it may also have been the single off the album. So that also may be why it's the most listened to. I don't know. Um, but it is. Um, but I, I'm, it doesn't stand out either way for me. It's like, it's, it, I, I literally wrote down, it's fine. 
I yelled way too loud. I'm like, I, I would like to apologize because I feel like more anger came through when I said it's a callback, Josh, than I meant to convey. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, I just have powerful lungs. No, we get it. You're talented in everything you try, including being angry. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Stop bragging about it. Fucking asshole. I'm not bragging, man. It's um, a curse. <laughs> So I, I just kind of want to talk on the two longer songs, um, okay. Slide of Hand and Meridian. Mm-hmm. Both of them are just kind of, for me, it's the low point of the album. Um, it, it feels like they slowed down for no real reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't like the clean action pickups that they use on Slide of Hand. And then Meridian has a really nice ending, but it doesn't do enough for me to like get to that payoff. <laughs> My notes are but, a little, for Meridian, I wrote boring intro. Is this a pop punk song? Yeah, <laughs> like I, yeah, no, right, yeah, no. I, uh, some, I, yeah. Something about the chords that that were chosen for that song are just like, uh, yeah, I I don't know. It 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 hits me as like that kind of uh, that kind of early to mid, uh, like late two thousands, honestly, right. sort of like yeah. uh, punk emo sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, and I I think. Not in a bad way, but like, there's not really a lot to talk about this album. Like, it's good. It's it's really good. It's really technically proficient. It's very melodically fulfilling for the most part. Yeah. Um, I I'd but some of the that... same issues for me, at least throughout the entire album, are are constant throughout every single song, and some of the highlights throughout the entire album are mm. there on every single song. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, I think that. I would agree with that, but the more I listened to this album, the more those sort of went away for me. Mm. Uh, the more I kind of got acclimated to it, I guess. Right. And again, this is a genre that neither of us are very well versed in. This is a genre that's not. Honestly, this know, is the first time I've listened to instrumental metal in maybe seven years. As far as I'm aware, instrumental, instrumental, fuck me instrumental metal let's go to the reviews <laughs> all right so the reviews come from uh new noise magazine uh tony shrum s-h-r-u-m tony s word got it yeah um he said again what makes the shape of color uh again we probably should um make sure people are aware this is a canadian band so color spelled with a Colour. u yeah. yeah um so the shape of color so damn enjoyable is despite the mighty impressive technical ability these are wonderfully pleasant tracks despite the member turnover and concerns over whether to include a voice it's obvious that aaron marshall's strings offer up one hell of a captivating voice of their own I'd, uh, yeah i'd agree with that yeah that was a well stated very well stated. it's almost like these people do this for a living almost <laughs> um and so distorted sound magazine uh, James Weaver for them um, said uh, the sound of color is definitely one of 2015's better releases and the better out of intervals releases this year too, because they did release an EP that was their first album just with all the vocals removed. Okay. Interesting. Um, fresh content like this is awesome to hear out of a band that has a near consistently cycling roster. Highly recommend to all fans of gent and prog metal uh, intervals are a nice, really nice project that produce some insane music. The market for instrumental is wide, but still feels very much untapped. 
the shape of color shatters that mold entirely. Okay. Yeah, so it's so like this person really liked this album. This person really did like this album, but it doesn't matter what the fuck James thought. No. Who the fuck is James? I don't know. He didn't give it a score, and you know why? Because he knew it wouldn't fucking matter. Because it doesn't fucking matter. Let's give it the only score that matters out of fucking ten. This is the first out of a out of ten. <laughs> this is the first time out of a real number yeah, that we've been able to score something. <laughs> and probably the last time. I'll go first. I'm gonna give this a seven out of ten. Like I think it is very consistent. Mm. It it doesn't reach too many highs, it doesn't reach too many lows. The same issues I have throughout the entire album are there on every single song and the, the positives I have on every single song are there on every single song. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a solid 10 out of 7 for me. What say you? Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that a 7 out of 10 sounds right. But what's uh, in your heart? Uh, before you said 7 out of 10, I was going to say 6 out of 10. Okay. Which is really odd considering our uh, our opinions on this album. Yeah, no, tell me why you, why you thought it was a 6 out of 7. A 6 out of 10? Yeah, six out of, sorry, 6 out of 10, not 7 out of 10. You also said 10 out of 7 previously. So. Listen, it's just... You're, bat, you're batting a million here. Listen. You're, bat, you're batting 999. <laughs> What's the saying? I'm sorry. Okay. So why do you think it's a six instead of a seven? I, I am genuinely curious, actually, because I I'm not sure. Uh it could be the gin. Okay. <laughs> I don't I don't often drink gin. I'm not a big gin gin drinker, so I think that my body's just not used to uh it's like, whoa, what's going on here? Uh, kind of like how your body was like, well, what's going on here when you were listening to prog metal for the first time? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I honestly couldn't tell you why I would have ranked it a 6 out of 10 because you said 7 out of 10 and I was like, what? Yeah, 7 out of 10. Uh, you were just a little more middling on it probably o- overall. Um, it's good though. It is good though. But at the same time, I get it. Like, like, I, like we got intervals and I was like, fuck. <laughs> really okay yeah like like when when we pulled up intervals on the list mm-hmm. last week i was like i not looking forward like to it. i i was like this is gonna be a lot of effort this is gonna be like it's gonna take forever to get through this album yada yada and i listened to this album more than i listened to as the cowboy it's an, as it's, the eternal cowboy yeah it's an intensely listenable album even with some of the low points that we've talked about like Again, I think I said it when I kind of overall thoughts, but like this is a great driving album or just having it in the background. Um, the more intense you listen to it, probably the more faults you find in it, mm-hmm. which is why you were probably out of six. Well, see, I had the opposite thing where the more I listened to it, the more I was like, yeah, I'm kind of fucking into this. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I guess intensely listened to it. There was there. That's when I started picking yeah. up on like sort of discrepancies between the rhythm section and the, and the lead and stuff. Yeah. Like that. But so I think that's more like, I think it's a really good album. Yeah. Seven I, out of 10, seven out of 10. Seven so out of let's 10. take it to the list. If we were to give it a seven out of 10. Oh God. Where does that, there's three numbers above seven out of 10, right? This is where my bad math comes in. Yes. Cause there's eight, nine and 10. All right, cool. So with a seven out of 10, it goes right smack in between the beautiful game by Wolfpack and destroyers rubies by destroyer. And I'm going to be honest. I'm fine with that. I'd bump it up. You'd bump it up. Uh huh. Holy shit. 
<laughs> me initially giving it a six out of ten. <laughs> and I'm like, no, this is better than Wolfpack for fucking sure. Why do you? Why do you like it better than Wolfpack? And I'm just letting you know, this is gonna be a fight. This, <laughs> I'm sure it is. Um, there aren't any tracks from that Wolfpack album that I'm going to be listening to six months from now. Interesting. Okay. Um, okay. There okay. are a couple of tracks off of this album that I could that I would be like, yeah, I'm gonna listen to s- some intervals. Okay. Um, I th- that's really all there is to it. Like okay. both albums are third. Like this is a, this. It's close. It is close. Like both albums are really enjoyable. Both albums are very like technically interesting and also very listenable. Um, but that Wolfpack album just has less that grabs me. Okay. Um, whereas, you know, like, I, I, I guess, yeah, there are just more, there's just more that grabs Mm. me in this album than in that Wolfpack album. I see what you're saying. What's that Wolfpack album called again, by the way? The Beautiful Game. The Beautiful Game. Yeah. Um, here's why you're wrong, though. Okay. Um... I think put me in my fucking place, Josh. I think that every single song that Wolfpack does on that album, mm-hmm. they hit exactly what they're going for on every single song in that album. Okay, whether or not you think that it's good is a different conversation. But the songs that are supposed to be pop songs are definitely pop songs. The songs mm-hmm. that are supposed to be funks, like hardcore funk songs with intense technical ability in it are hardcore funk songs with intense technical ability in them. Mm-hmm. Intervals tries to do the same thing for almost every single song mm-hmm. and they miss on some of them. The backing instrumentation is not up to the same quality as the guitar work. Whereas in Wolfpack, the, the baseline for all the instrumentation is much higher. It all meshes together much better. Multiple times on this Intervals album, we've talked about how there's a disconnect from the rhythm section versus the lead guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the saxophone in Wolfpack way more than I like the saxophone in this. I'll give you that. Um, I think this is much better than Destroyer's Rubies. Like, it is much closer between a be- the beautiful game and the shape of color than it is between the shape of color and destroyers rubies for me. Like I'm not at all really. Yeah. I'm not at all. Like I, I think in between those two is perfect for it. I literally like, I was listening to a different playlist because I needed a palette cleanser after listening to the tape makers this week playlist, mm. uh, like three times in a row and, yeah. and fucking, um, Oh fuck. Destroyers rubies. Uh, and I'm reminded of the time that I was blinded by the sun. Uh, painter, painter in your pocket. Yeah. Fucking painter in your pocket came on. And I was like, like, I just, I had to stop and regain my composure after those first, like, three words were uttered. Right. And I was like, oh, fuck, I love this song. No, and I think, uh, I think Detroit's Rubies has much but, higher highs. But you know what the problem is mm-hmm. about everything that I've said up to this point? I would love to know, yeah. It's very simple. Uh-huh. I've been talking about songs. Mm-hmm. You have been talking about songs. You know what doesn't matter on this podcast? Songs don't fucking matter on this. Songs are for the weak. Songs are for the uneducated. Songs are for the radio. This is not radio. This is a fucking podcast. On this podcast, we talk about albums. And as a full album, 
this one is better than Destroyer's Rubies. Mm. It's more solid. It is more solid. It's also better than the beautiful game by Wolfpack. No, it's not, though. That's the thing. <laughs> That's the thing. Because this... The thing that I'm going to take against it is that this album is the same song multiple times in different ways. Versus Wolfpack is a more musically rich and full tapestry of an album in comparison in comparison i'm not i am not saying by itself this album by intervals is the same song but when you compare the two of them intervals is more staying in its own lane the entire time and sometimes throughout every single song there are problems with it whereas in the beautiful game there are less problems song by song and then overall as an album it just depends on if you think that you if it depends on if you like their pop stuff or you don't that's kind of the main issue that we kind of have at the moment here is you really disliked the pop songs on Wolfpack's album but i really like them and i think that's where the main like issue is but you cannot say that it is they are bad pop songs you can just say you don't like that version of pop Versus intervals is they do prog metal, but then these slight issues within the genty part of it pull back the songs. I I am going to concede. Fuck yeah! <laughs> but I want it to be known that I am not conceding because you have sold me. Okay. I am conceding because while i do still think that this album as a whole is better than the beautiful game by wolfpack i don't think it's better enough for me to put the mental effort into, <laughs> into selling you so there it shall stay yeah no i i'll admit i I think the beautiful game by Wolfpack, like as soon as I can find it on vinyl, I'm going to get it. It's going to be in my like heavy rotation. Like really? Okay. I, re I really love it. I really, really love it. And I really like intervals, but as an album, I just, I just don't think it, it stacks up, okay. um, but I'm more than happy to put it right beneath the beautiful game. I think that is, that is high praise that it is. That is right. That is right that's, up underneath. That's right up underneath there, Hol holding it right up. Exactly, like just just right there. Yeah. Um. All right. So we're gonna go through our our top ten. This is the first and our last time. Top ten. We're gonna have a top ten albums of all time and everything else from here. We're not gonna. We're just gonna talk about albums that we think go around it. So we're never gonna go through the whole list again. So savor this moment, everyone. Savor it. Savor it. All right. That. So the number one album of all time is still pieces of a man by Gil Scott Heron. After that comes boarding house reach by Jack white. After that is the beautiful game by Wolfpack. right after that. Just, just right after that, right up in there, right up in there is the shape of color by intervals. Really high praise. After that is destroyers rubies by destroyer. Again, high praise right up in there. Top five, <laughs> bottom five, of all time. Uh, Blood Pressures by The Kills. After that is As the Eternal Cowboy by Against Me. This isn't the bottom five. This isn't the bottom five. It's the bottom five of the top ten. <laughs> <laughs> the bottom half of the top ten 
Yes, it it is, but it, it is, is not the bottom five. It is equal parts the within the ten best albums that we've talked about, but also the five worst albums we've well, talked okay. about. The 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 kills and then the after after as the Eternal Cowboy by Against Me. It is Big Mess by Danny Elfman. Uh, number nine is Ten by Pearl Jam, and then coming in at number ten is Wasteland Baby by Hoisier. Wow! Congratulations to all who were nominated. Uh, n- this is the last time all of you will be in the top ten, save for the moment. All right, <laughs> all of all of you people who are definitely listening to yeah. us right now who have contributed to this al- these albums. We want to thank the Academy, and uh, that's about it. All right, going forward, we are back to normal schedule where we are pulling from a list that you have written down mm-hmm. out of ten albums and a list I have written down. Out of ten albums, you're going to roll a ten-sided die. I'm going to go yeah, you're first. first. All right, and that is a six, which means from my list, we are going to be doing I Go Missing in My Sleep by Wilson, and I am very excited to talk about this album. I don't know anything about this. It is Psych Folk. Okay. All right. Okay. Jared, if you would do the honors. Oh, I'll do more than the honors. Oh, yeah. That's a number one, baby. That's a one? All right. So we are doing... From your list, Razmataz from I don't know how, but they found Hell me. yes! Oh, okay. I was literally I li- literally listened to this album today. I'm very excited. Uh, again, we want to say big thanks to uh, our friends Jake and Mitchell for recommending the albums. Uh, just letting you know where your albums rank definitely means that's how we think of you as people. Oh yeah, literally, you can think of that as equal to your level of friendship in our lives. Yeah, and also quality of human. Yeah, quality of human. Like, just, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you, Paul. That's so awful. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, so that's been an album of, uh, episode. What the fuck? Almost an album. Five, five episodes? Five, five episodes, ten albums. Yeah, five episodes, ten albums. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling good. I feel like we're, we're kind of getting the, the flow of it. We are. Any regrets so far? Um, uh, <laughs> only how fucking loud I yelled at you <laughs> like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> you know what? That means we're doing pretty well. All right. All right. Uh, so, as always, you know, you can find us on any podcast platform whatsoever we're out there it's it's not that hard just google tape makers um as maybe some of you have seen we are filming this we are taping this uh for visual mediums which means we're probably gonna have an instagram soon yeah i'm working on it when i think of it which is not very often exactly (laughs) um so as always you can follow me on uh either twitter or instagram it's pretty easy to find if you just search my name and you can find Jared at both of his Instagrams, which is uh, pretty easy if you search his name. Uh, the show is on Facebook, which we rarely use except to post, so that way our olds know that we're doing this thing. We have uh, olds? I don't know. I'm sure at least one old listens to it. Um, we also have an email, uh, tapemakerspod at gmail.com, that you can email album suggestions, comments, concerns, uh, any old random stuff. If anyone does, that'll be a first, so that'll be interesting. Uh, But thank you all for your support so far. We've done five episodes, and it's been pretty fun, and uh, here's to five more. 
Um, and as always, I, I have been your host, Josh. And uh, Jared, what do we say to the lovely people as we go? Uh, tonight, we say don't yell too loud at your friends. Uh, and also, uh, you're not recording a punk album, baby. You only think you are. <laughs> oh, fuck, what's that one? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh...